I um, want to preach this week um, a message that is called um, From the Prison to the Palace. And I want to focus on the, the life of Joseph. Um, and I'm kind of hoping, and maybe a little bit of assumption, that there's a general awareness of the life of Joseph. If not, I'll kind of go through the life of Joseph. But I'm not pre preaching from like three verses. I'm going to span the life of Joseph and use some of that to what God wants to say to us today. Um, the life of Joseph is in the book of Genesis. Um, and we think often about Genesis being about creation and Adam and Eve and, uh, uh, and the, the garden and the flood and things like that. But the book of Genesis, the whole of the last quarter pretty much, 13 chapters, is all about the life of Joseph. Um, and so if you don't know about it, I recommend you read it. You could just take those last 13 chapters from 37 to 50 and it reads like a story, you know, like you would read a book, you know, like read the story of the life of, of Joseph and if you've seen Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat or any of those sort of productions you might have some gist of, of Joseph's life and I want to use this language about the prison and the palace because it fits with Joseph's life uh, as we come to look at that in a moment. Joseph experienced both the prison and the palace a couple of times um, and I want us to think about that in terms of the, the, the prison being that place of struggle that place of hardship, difficulty, where things aren't going well, and the palace where we just seem to be in God's place of blessing, this place of abundance, and everything's amazing and wonderful, and we experience both of these in our lives. I have to say, I, in my humble opinion about myself, believe I have a really good theology of suffering. Um, I, I genuinely believe I've got a really good, robust theology of suffering. I have a real good, strong acceptance of the fact that Jesus went to the cross. And he lived a life where he was faced immense opposition. And he said to you and me, you will too. And so I am very comfortable, as much as it's uncomfortable suffering, I'm very comfortable with the idea that, that the Christian walk and life itself is generally pretty rough and pretty tough and hardships have come and go and, and we face all these oppositions in our life, whether that's because of our faith or just because life is tough. And I don't particularly get rocked by that. I have a, like I said, I have a pretty solid understanding of the fact that God is faithful and is true. And so often, like he says, his strength is shown in our weakness. And so when life's tough, I feel like he's the most close. I find mostly in the valley is the place where I really cling on to God the most. So I've got quite a generally good kind of robust view of life being difficult. Um, and in general, most of my life is Right? Most of life tends to have a lot of hardship and difficulties and challenges and setbacks and things. And, and that, I think, is why, personally for me, I've kind of got a pretty solid faith even when things go bad, even when life goes really tragically wrong. Me and my brother and my dad experienced my mum passing away with cancer and, and, and none of our faith were rocked by it. We were like, God is faithful, God is true, he is still who he says he is and you know, we've been through immense things. Karen's had a number of health issues and diagnosis and you know, and for me, I don't get rocked by that. That's just maybe the way I'm wired, the way I'm brought up. I'm not bragging about it. I'm just, I, I kind of got that thing in my life. And so the thing for me is when life gets good <laughs> and things go amazingly well, I find it pretty confusing. <laughs> I find it a little bit odd. Um, and, and, 
uh, you know, you'd have heard in the last few weeks, Testimony Sunday, people share about testimonies. Last week, Dave was preaching, but he was largely sharing about Chris and Annie and, and their experience with their house. And me and Karen have been really blessed with our new home. Uh, and, um, and I found it a little bit of a confusing place to be. I keep walking around going, is this what it's meant to be like? Like, this is amazing. Like, I just... I, I walk around and walk my dogs every night around where we live, and I'm like, I can't believe God's brought us to a place like this. And I get to Chris and Annie's house, and all the way that's been poured out um, upon them uh, with a place they've been given, this in such an amazing area, and then there's just been an overflow of, of, of stuff left for them, you know, willingly, tables and chairs and beds and white goods and all this sort of stuff. And I'm like, I, I'm not used to this place. I'm, this is the zone I'm not used to. I'm a little bit confused by it, a bit perplexed by it. And so for me, it's been a really interesting period of time in the last few weeks, having been through all the stresses and the strains of moving, which for me was like the prison, you know, kind of not knowing where we're going to go, how we're going to get there, everything going wrong or seeing it go wrong or when will it happen and all this sort of stuff. And then to appear at the other end and go, wow. God, this is amazing. For me, it was a bit like this experience of moving from the prison to the palace. And I, I just had this zone recently of like, wow, I'm not, I'm not used to feeling this overwhelmingly blessed. I know a lot of, I mean, you meet my dad, and many of you know him. You only have to speak to my dad for a very short while. And he's always going on and on and on and on about how blessed he is. About if he was someone else, he'd be jealous for not being him. And, and I listen to my dad going, have I done something wrong? Because I don't, I mean, I don't hate life or anything, but I find life tough. And so for me, the last few weeks of walking into this zone of like, wow, is this what it's meant to be like? Is this, is this what I've been missing out on? And so I've gone from this place of the prison to the palace. And then we had an electrician come into our house and do an inspection and give us some dreadfully bad news about the wiring in our house. And I didn't feel in the palace much anymore. I kind of felt back in my familiar zone of like, oh no, what are we going to do? How's it going to work out? What do we do about this? What's going on? I went from the prison to the palace and very quickly went back to what felt like the prison. I think... We all experience these parts of our life, the highs and the lows. And maybe different people have different experiences of the percentage. Maybe you spend most of your time in this great place and then every now and again there's a crisis. Or maybe you spend a lot of your time in this tough, difficult place and every now and again your head bobs up above the water and you're like, wow, this is amazing. And then down you go again. If you've only ever experienced the tough place, the prison, the difficulty, the hardship then it might be hard to believe that actually there is a palace for you. That there is a, a promise of God of his goodness and his greatness and, and how much he wants to, to pour out upon you. If you've only primarily experienced hardship, you hear other people's stories of, of amazing things and you think, well, that's for them and not for me. And if I'm honest, I was probably a little bit like that, really. But the truth is, if you really generally experience lots of hardship, God has a palace for you. There is a place of blessing and, and abundance and goodness and, and outpouring. And so if you are one of those people who are like me, go, yeah, I'm, I'm used to life being pretty tough. 
I want to open your perspective to realise that that is not all that life is and that's not all our life is meant to be. But equally, if you're listening to me going, well, I don't know why your life's so difficult because everything goes well for you and you are, but like my dad, this kind of proverbial, everything's wonderful, everything's always blessed, I want to tell you, Life does include some prisons. It does include some blows in life. It does include some tough places. And if you're right now on the mountaintop, I don't want to be negative or, or disillusion you, but I would predict that sometime in the future, something's going to come and rock you and hit you and destabilize you and make you think, what's going on? Everything was going so well. If you're in the prison... There is a way to the palace. And actually, if you're in the palace, there's a way to the prison. And, and when we said, I mean, we've said this a number of times, but I know we particularly said it quite a lot last week and the and, and, and last few weeks. God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. Except when life isn't going well. If we're honest, there's a part of us that kind of goes... Yeah, it's easier to say God is good all the time and all the time God is good when we're in the blessing, when we're in the palace, when it's been poured out, when we've had the breakthrough, when the unexpected has happened, when the miracles occurred. It's easier to say, there, yeah, God is good all the time. But when we're in the prison, when we're in the place of hardship and suffering and difficulty, that's where we really have to work hard to say God is good all the time. And all the time is God is good. We actually even use our language around it. We talk about God pouring out his blessing. But when we're going through hardship, we often don't think about it that way. Well, I want to use Joseph's life to show you something about what happened in Joseph's life. And the reason why I want to kind of span 13 chapters, and I'll do it quite quickly and quite high level, is I want you to see when you look across Joseph's life, he goes from the prison to the palace. And he goes from the palace to the prison. And he goes from the prison to the palace. And he goes from the palace to the prison. There's this cycle that goes on in Joseph's life. I'm not saying it happens to all of us, but I think it's a pretty good picture of his life and how our life can move around. And so I just want to um, put up this... Oh, what do I need to stand? I need to stand over here. This little kind of diagram. I want you to see this as we l listen through um, Joseph's life. Just... Think about this, and if you want to have some verses, I'll give them, but I'm not going to read most of these verses. But the, the story for, for Joseph picks up in, in Genesis 37. It starts with him having this dreams he starts having. And, and implicitly, we're going to start with the word choice. He has these dreams that he's going to be something special, that the family are going to bow down to him, and he has a choice. Does he keep that to himself, or does he share it? And he takes the choice to share it. He says to all the family, tell me, let me tell you about this dream I've had. This amazing thing's going to happen to me, and all of you are going to bow down to me. He chooses to share that dream he has. And from there, we start to see the opposition that he faces. In 37 verse 8, it says this. Let me just pick a couple of these verses. Now, he decides to, to share this vision. And uh, in verse 8, it says, um, his brothers said to him, are you indeed to reign over us? Are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Come verse 19, they say, they said to one another, here comes the dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. 
He faces this opposition. He has this choice. He shares his dream. He faces opposition. And from the opposition, he gets sold into slavery with the Midianites. He gets into the prison. He's a prisoner of the Midianites, sold into slavery by his brothers. And the Midianites carry him off to Egypt. Now, interestingly, even in the place of prison, in the place of service of being a slave, he starts to prosper. Let me read to you this in chapter 39, verses 2, says, The Lord was with Joseph. This is while he's a prisoner. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, and was in the house of his Egyptian master, because he's a slave. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight, and attended him, and he made him overseer of his house, and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he became his overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. So even in the prison, even as a slave, he experiences favour. He experiences prosperity. He experiences God's hand upon him in that tough place. Such that he gets to live in the palace. Now I get he's still a servant, but he's given massive responsibility. He's the chief of all of them. Potiphar says, I don't worry about anything other than what I'm going to eat. Because you're worrying about everything for me. You get to live in the palace and look after this for me. He goes from that place of being a slave in a pit to a place where he's in the palace. Living in a good place. And then the cycle continues. Within that place, Potiphar's wife takes a shine to him. Says we could have something going on if you want while my husband's not around. And he faces a choice. Does he give in to that temptation or does he resist it? And he resists it and he flees. And in that choice, it leads to opposition. He gets wrongly accused. What do you read in verse, chapter 39, verse 14? She said to the men of the household and said to them, See, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came to me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. That's not the truth. He gets false accusations put against him. And in this false accusation, in this opposition, he ends up in the cycle again, back in the prison. He goes to prison. Potiphar, verse 20 in, verse, in, chapter, 29, uh, in chapter 39, verse 20, Potiphar says, And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. For there was no prison. So there was not a physical prison. He puts him into a, a prison where the, the, the king puts his prisoners. He's gone backwards. And so again he finds himself in this place. In actual fact, a few chapters carry on, if you know the story, where he's there for quite some time, interpreting dreams for others. But even in that place, in that prison, he starts to prosper again. Again, verse, um, chapter 39, verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favour in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. In the place of the prison, Joseph yet again experiences favour and prosperity and success. If you know the story, this leads eventually to him being able to 
interpret Pharaoh's dream. Pharaoh says, you're the man, and puts him back into the palace. Again, back he goes from a prison to the palace in charge of all manner of responsibilities. He's the second in charge of the whole kingdom. He's back in the palace. He starts to dish out all the food, make sure that everyone gets through the famine. And in so, in, in so doing that, he encounters his brothers and he gets to make a choice again. What do I do about my brothers? And I don't really want to gloss over Joseph's choice. I think our human side says, yeah, good on you, Joseph. Make him squeal a little bit. Make him pay a little bit for what they've done to you. He makes a choice to go, I'm going to get my own back a bit. I'm going to make them sweat this one out. I'm going to make them worry and beg until I finally tell them who I am and finally invite them back. He makes a choice of what he does with that. Now, interestingly, you might think the story finishes there, but it doesn't. He brings his family back, but he actually faces opposition in that place. Let me read to you chapter 46. It covers quite a few chapters of this story. Chapter 46, verse 33. It's been a while since I've used a paper bowl to preach. They get stuck together, these pages, don't they? Right. Verse 33. When Pharaoh calls you and says, what's your occupation? He's briefing the brothers. You're going to get to meet the big boss. When you meet him and he asks you what your occupation, you shall say, your servants have been keepers of livestock from your youth, even until now, both we and our fathers, in order that we may dwell in the land of Goshen. For every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians. They get a place to live in Goshen, but really because Pharaoh didn't want them near him. If they're not actually welcomed in, they get put in the outland, which is where they want to go, because they hate shepherds the egyptians aren't interested in this family we're going to put you over there joseph you have your family over there and over time that family find themselves moving more and more back into the prison as the egyptians realize this is a powerful family we've got to keep them under our boot here we're going to make them our slaves and the cycle continues. I just want you to see in this story, this cycle of going on from choice to opposition, into the prison, into a place of prospering in there, into the palace, back with choices to make. And this cycle in Joseph's life and his family's life carries on. You can actually trace this back onwards through the children of Israel. You can see it through the judges and the things that go on, this swinging between everything being wonderful to everything being dreadful, to everything being wonderful to everything being dreadful. This cycle goes on and on. And we often have a perspective in our life that God is in the palace. I'm not so sure he's in the prison. But God is in the palace and the prison. He's in both places. This isn't how we feel naturally about it. It might be a rational thing we tell ourselves theologically, but experientially, emotionally, it's not how we feel about it. We know God's in the place of blessing and abundance. And I walk around Chris Alley's place and I'm like, wow, look how God's poured out blessing upon him. I walk around where we live now and I'm like, this feels so peaceful and spacious and God's been faithful. Oh, and then the electrician tells me I've got a problem. I'm not so sure I'm feeling God's presence as much now. 
I don't want to disappoint Chris Nowney, but our bank balance is going to get a lot, lot less. <laughs> and that place of the palace is it's in danger of feeling like a prison. This mortgage weighed around my neck. These things, that we, we experience both, and God is in both. When life is good, God is blessing me. When life is tough, where is God? The devil's attacking me. And I'm not denying that the devil has a strategy to bring opposition against you and attack you. But the biblical truth is that our contentment is not found in the palace or the prison. But we do. <laughs> you know, I have more of a smile on my face when I'm feeling all the blessings and less of a smile on my face when I'm feeling the tough place. So look at Philippians. Philippians chapter 4. This is Paul speaking in his language about the palace and the prison. He says, Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing. I know how to live in the prison. Or with everything. I know how to live in the palace. I have learned the secret of living in both places. In every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. There's a great cup you can buy that says Philippians 4.13. I can do everything through a verse taken out of context. Right, how many times have we used that verse? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm going to go get that job and I'm going to go and win that football match or whatever. I can do all things. And it's like the context is Paul saying, you know what? The ability to be content in the prison and the palace comes through Christ Jesus who gives me the strength. That is the all things I can do. I can do both those things. I can find God and be close to Jesus in both the prison and the palace because he gives me strength. And when we almost detoxify ourselves from our contentment coming from the place we find ourselves in and turn our attention to our contentment coming from the one who's with us, then we can actually have a perspective to see what God might do in both places. Because they are different experiences. They have different opportunities and challenges. They have different temptations. And God actually meets us often in different ways, but he meets us in both. And when we can help kind of dis uh, detach ourselves from our you know, proverbial desire, and oh, I've got it as well, which is like, I'd rather actually be in the palace than the prison. If I don't have a choice. Paul says, you know what, I've, I've learned how to be in both places. I've learned to have complete contentment in both. Because he gives me strength. So where are you? If, if you were to broadly think about it. Now, in reality, often we find ourselves in both places at the same time. You might health-wise be in the prison and financially be in the palace or job-wise be in the prison, but your neighbours are the palace. You know, we often experience both of these going on, but just think about where you might find yourself. You know, in this prison, in the tough place, in the hardship and the difficulties, when, I don't know, your job is tough and the boss is mean or... The work colleagues are rough to work with or the class you lead or the, 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 the team you've got is not helpful and 
you come home every night like drained or I don't know whether your bank balance is like stretched beyond belief and it's like where am I going to get it from or there's just stress and anxiety wherever the, wherever the cause of that prison is in that prison I think Joseph's life shows us you need faithfulness and you need hope to keep faith you need faith when, when life isn't going well when it's all rough, I think you really need faith. Because you can't see it. You read all these scriptures of, you know, his goodness is running after me and these blessings. And I'm like, but I'm not seeing it in front of me. So you need eyes of faith to see it. To go, I'm not seeing it with my eyes here, but I am seeing it in this word of God. And so I'm going to cling on to faith and hope that there is a palace to come. There is another day coming. So you need that faith. To know that there is, there is a better day. <laughs> there is a, a better day coming. He is still faithful. He is still true. God is still good all the time. But not just faith, but faithfulness. Often when we're in that tough place, you look, most of Joseph's prosperity, blessing, favour came in the prison. We can often be blind to these immense opportunities where God says, where you are now in that tough place, I've got a mission for you. I've got stuff for you to do. There's opportunities before you to impact those around you. Joseph, in both times in the prison, was able to impact those around him despite all the constraints and the hardship. And don't let us gloss over what prison life would have been like that many thousands of years ago. Right? It's going to have been rough. And he's able to experience the favour of God, the success of God, even with all the constraints. God has got opportunities for you. If, um, if you just maybe keep your Genesis open and have a look in Jeremiah. Um, in Jeremiah 29, we, um, we find that verse that we all love. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, that verse. The whole of 29 is a brilliant chapter to read. The context there is just like Joseph who's in the prison, the children of Israel are in slavery. They are in a place where it's not their homeland. They're not back in Israel. They are, they've been taken into captivity, into Babylon. And while they're there, some people are going, we're going to get out soon. They're going, the palace is coming. Just, just around the corner. Breakthrough's almost there. And Jeremiah has the actual word of God. Where he says, not just yet. We're going to be here for about 70 years. And while we're here, God's got something for us to do. He wants us to bless this city that's put us into captivity. He wants us to, to work here. He wants us to see the, the, the favour of God through the children of Israel into the very people who put them into captivity. And then when that's done, God will rescue us. For I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you. Not for harm. For future. And I hope. That's the context in Jeremiah 29. Verse 7 says, seek the welfare of the city, for I've sent you into exile. I've sent you, I've put you in the prison, he says. So seek to favour that place. And so I don't want to mess with your theology too much. 
But certainly for the people of Israel, God said, I've sent you into that place. And while you're there, I've got a mission for you. I've got work for you to do. So if you are in that place where you're like, but life is tough right now, and it doesn't seem to make sense, and I've got all this hardship and difficulties and things I've got to cope with, God says, I've got something for you. There's a palace coming, but it might not be for 70 years. And while you're here, I want to prosper you. I want to bless you. I want you to see success in the constraints you're within. I mean, when we hear the word prosper and success and then prison, they don't kind of fit together. But God has a way of people prospering in the prison they're in. He's a way of bringing success even when everything is constraining you. So if you're in the prison, there's work to do. Have hope, have faith, there's a palace coming, but don't be so focused on the future to come that you miss the here and now. It's a real difficult balance. If you, if you swing too much one way, you're just like, this is it, life's tough and then you die. Just keep going. We all got across the bear. Jesus suffered, so will I. That's, that's the zone I can go into. And I mustn't forget, there is a palace. There's a breakthrough coming. God's got a plan. But if you're always in the never-never, just hang on. We're going to break through soon. God says, don't be so fixated there yet. I've got stuff for you to do here. There's an opportunity here. Don't be so fixated on tomorrow, on the rescue plan, that you miss the mission I've got in the prison. If you're in the palace and you're like, yeah, but I remember what that was like, but I've broken through the other side now. I'm, I'm seeing God's favour. He's all over it. He just keeps pouring out his blessings. I can't believe how good God is. Biblical history shows it's the most dangerous place to be. You know, David never fell for Bathsheba while he was out in the field, right, tending sheep, or while he was hiding in a cave being told that Saul was going to kill him. It was in the palace. Well, it's all going well. That temptation comes for Joseph. Just think about it. It's in the palace that Potiphar's wife says, how about it? It's in the palace where his brothers appear and he's like, oh, that could be my time to just give them a little bit of pain. Let them have their two, you know, their, 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 their what's coming to them. In the great places where we experience all this favour is wonderful for our flesh. I love it. Man, it's lovely when I'm feeling that. But spiritually, it's one of the most dangerous places. We cling on to God in the valley. As much as we praise God on the mountaintop, we don't always cling on to him because everything's going well. <laughs> and it's all great and dandy. And meanwhile, this tempter comes and sneaks up on us. And says, while you're a bit distracted, let me put some choices in front of you. Let me give some opportunities to you where you can give way to the flesh. The funny thing is as well is we think about those things, those temptations that come. A, a prosperity gospel would teach that if you do it God's way, more favour is going to come your way. And so when it gets worse, we wonder, what did we do wrong? Why is God unhappy with me? Joseph stood up to temptation from Potiphar's wife 
and it didn't work out well for him in the flesh. He ended up in the prison. And this is the thing that's totally confusing. Sometimes when you make the right choice for God, it leads to the palace. And sometimes when you make the right choice for God, it leads to the prison. A theology that says, well, life isn't going well, so you must have done something wrong, isn't actually quite accurate. Now, don't get me wrong, you can make bad mistakes and it can lead to the prison. You can make good choices and it leads to the prison. So don't, don't connect these so tightly. We're like, you know, which is the best way? What's the path of least resistance? What's going to be the easy life? God says, make the godly choice. And I'll position you exactly where I want you to be. And, and that's the interesting thing about the temptation. The temptation zone in the palace is I just want to avoid hardship because I've known what the prison was like and I'm quite enjoying the palace. And we have to dig into this bit that says, I'm going to choose God. I'm going to choose to be faithful to God. Not just to have my faith in him, but to be faithful to him. You know, we're a people who are to seek God. Not the prison or the palace. Look at this in Matthew 6.31. We sung a little bit like this when we sung uh, um, uh, Build Your Kingdom Here. This is Jesus. Don't worry about these things. What you will eat, what you will drink, what you will wear. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Don't worry about the prison or the palace. These things dominate what everyone else worries about. Your heavenly Father knows what you need. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he'll give you everything you need we are a people who aren't to seek the prison or the palace we're to seek the kingdom to seek God's kingdom and say God I just want to see you do what you're going to do wherever you place me whether it's tough or easy whether it's pouring out of a spout of blessing or whether it feels like a barren land I want to seek the kingdom and God, I'll let you worry about where you place me. I'll let you worry about that because you know exactly what I need. You know what I can handle. You know where you can use me the most. Throughout the Bible, Joseph, David, uh, Daniel, Moses, they all knew great places and difficult places. They knew prisons and palaces. And there was one who knew both. We sung about it again this morning. Jesus made a choice to leave a palace and come as a slave unlike Joseph who these things happened to him Jesus made that choice to say I have everything in a palace where there's thousands and thousands of worshipping me there's gold and there's there's splendor and I'm in the glory of God I'm here with united with the, the trinity and he made a choice to leave the palace, to come to the prison. So the last thing I want to read to you from Philippians says this. Philippians 2, 5 to 8 says, You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. You and I. This is his encouragement. It says, have this attitude. Though he was God, he didn't think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges I've inserted those words, his palace. And he took the humble position of a slave in prison. 
and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Joseph's got a great example for us to follow, but Jesus has got a much better one. Jesus made that choice. He said, you know, I'm going to leave everything that's great to come and save the world. And I think there's something beyond just going, Lord, I'm going to serve you wherever you put me. But actually to be bold enough to go, God, this choice that you've given me, when you can see it's actually going to lead to hardship, I'm going to befriend this person and welcome into my home and that's going to disrupt my life or I'm going to give my money in this way and that means I'm going to have less than I had beforehand or I'm going to forgive this person and that's going to hurt me and be difficult to do and go against the grain within me when we make the choices to say I'm going to make life tougher for me we follow in the life of Jesus and that's not to say God I'm going to pour out his blessing upon you but he wants to use you wherever that is, have this same attitude that Jesus did. That though he had everything that could possibly be, he didn't count that as something to be grasped onto and to clung onto. He was willing to go to become a slave. And so whatever situation we find ourselves in, let us have the attitude of Christ. To step back from our desire that life would just be easy and say, no life, I want it to be godly. I want it to be wherever you place me, God, whatever you want to do. Lord, when I'm in the prison, open my eyes to see the opportunities. When I'm in the palace, open my eyes to see the temptations. Lord, wherever I find myself, wherever you place me, let me make choices that are not about which destination is going to lead me to, but the choices that are like Jesus did. That says, I want to see the kingdom advanced. I want to seek after the kingdom. I want to see lives changed. I want to be, see lives impacted. Not my comfort level increased, but that God's glory would be increased. Lord Jesus, we come to you as those who our flesh struggles with this whole thing. Lord, I can preach it, but I don't like it. Lord, I would rather an easy life. And so, Lord, we surrender ourselves to you and say the words that you said, Jesus, not my will be done, but your will be done. Lord, we bow our knee and we say, Lord, I want to seek your kingdom first. Lord, thank you that there are moments of blessing and moments of hardship. There's a palace and a prison, but Lord, in all of them, you're present and you're evident and you're at work and you can use me wherever I find myself, God. So Lord, let me be faithful to you and serve you wherever you send me. Amen.